Well, uh, today, as Tanner and Eddie said, it, it is uh, the beginning of Advent, uh, and uh, and I grew up Baptist. Okay, so I, I didn't I hadn't even heard of Advent until about ten years ago, um, and so now I'm a recovering Baptist. Okay. Uh, which means, uh, basically means, uh, I, I fancy myself a pretty good dancer. I like the taste of whiskey, and I celebrate Advent, okay? Uh, but, but here's what we want you to do. We want you to get in on the celebration of Advent. Advent, Advent means arrival. And uh, we have these Advent kits for you to take home. We have the, the big box if you never celebrated Advent uh, with us before. And we have refill kits if you have and you saved your base uh, from years past. And each week, so Advent's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And there's a word associated with each week. And so this week is hope, and we've lit the hope candle. And then, uh, and then next week is love, and then the third week is joy, and the fourth week is peace. And then we light the, the white candle as the Christ candle that we light on Christmas Eve together. And so all these candles are in your Advent kit. And so what we'd ask you to do is set your base and your candles up at home and, and uh, on Sunday night, but maybe Sunday night gets away from you and it goes into Monday or Tuesday, but sometime this week, but preferably Sunday night, um, that you would, there's a devotional. And at the very least, don't let the devotional scare you. It's just reading the scripture and answering a couple of questions. You might be like, well, we're not really an answering question kind of family. That's fine. Just read the scripture. And there's, there, we even write out the prayers to pray, and you can pray and light the candle. And then what we'd ask you to do is uh, just take a selfie of you and your family celebrating Advent together and then post it on your social media. Uh, use the hashtag GCC Advent. And the reason why we ask you to do that is so that we can all celebrate together, okay? Now, I'm just going to tell you up front, I'm going to start out with a bang. We're doing ours tonight. We'll probably do it next Sunday night, and then we kind of fade. We fizzle, okay? We don't finish strong. Um, but, uh, but that's the reason why carrying that uh, every year, it kind of seems that way. And, uh, you know, before people come over for Christmas, I'm like, kids, light all the Advent candles. So, you know, um, but uh, I carry that. You know, I'm the preacher, you know. I, I should be leading in this thing. Um, but that's what led us to choose this title for our Advent series. It's presence, okay, being present over presence. And that what we want more than anything else this Christmas season is not to miss the presence, not only of one another, but the presence of the Lord and to enjoy the presence of God in our lives. And, and to the point that that's even better than the presence that we can give and receive. And so that's our goal. That's our prayer for us as a church that we would experience that this year. So these kits are free. Uh, we have them right out here in the hallway. Please take them, use them, and let them just uh, enhance your Advent uh, celebration um, this year. So, well, we, uh, we kick off a new series uh, today that's not John, um, which is kind of odd for me. Um, but uh, we've, uh, we've all experienced... Um, the electricity going out, right? I mean, of course we have. We live in Texas. Um, but uh, when the power goes out, uh, I mean, the first question that everybody asks uh, is, um, you know, do I have enough power on my phone? No, that's not the first question. Um, it's the first question my kids ask, or well, what happened to the Wi-Fi, you know? Um, but, um, 
the first question we all ask is, well, how long is this going to last? How long is the power going to be out? Because, you know, some of us are still struggling with, you know, PTSD from Snowmageddon in 2020, right? Um, and so, uh, but we immediately wonder, when, how long is this going to last, this power outage? And if it's at night, you know, we're rummaging for, uh, for candles or we're rummaging for flashlights, but, but during a blackout, all we can do is wait, right? I mean, all we can do is sit around and wait for the electricity to come back on. I remember one year I was a kid. I don't remember how old I was, um, but I remember that Texas was playing in the Cotton Bowl. So I think it was probably about 1977, 1978. And uh, our electricity went off on January 1st. And I remember sitting by the fireplace with my family playing Monopoly and the power comes back on. But my dad made us turn all the power off because he wanted to save it for the Texas game, for the Cotton Bowl, just in case we were the residents that tripped the, uh, the whole grid to go down. We didn't want, we wanted to conserve electricity. But all we can wait is for somebody to come along from the outside and, uh, and bring, us, bring us light. And in many ways, that, that's, that's what Advent season is about. That's a picture of Advent. That the Bible says that salvation is not found within us, but that salvation has to be brought to us from the outside for us to have any kind of hope in this world. Because part of the message of Christmas is that every single one of us, because of our sin, find ourselves in a hopeless situation. And we've talked about this before. There's a big difference between a hopeless situation and a bad situation. A bad situation, we can kind of work ourselves out of. We're talented enough and connected enough and you know, dialed in enough relationally that we can work ourselves out of a bad situation. But a hopeless situation is there's no way, even on our best day, can we turn in a good enough performance to earn the forgiveness and salvation of God. And because we, are, we find ourselves in a hopeless situation, we find ourselves in a situation that Somebody from the outside needs to bring salvation to us. And so today we kick off our Advent season. And Advent is simply the possibility, the, the opportunity for us to prepare our hearts for the celebration of our Savior's birth. And as Tanner said so well, we're in this, in this um, middle of this broken world because of sin. But we have the opportunity during Advent to to not only celebrate the arrival of our Savior's birth, but also turn our hearts to the anticipation of his return where he will make all things new and all things right. And so today we're going to look at the Christmas story from the eyes of Zechariah and his vision about a coming deliverance. And so three things that we see in this vision that the prophet Zechariah has 500 years before Jesus ever was born. That's when this story takes place. And we see three things this morning. We see a city with no walls. We see a love with no limits, and that's the good news. And then we see a promise that no one expected. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to turn to your table of contents and find the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Um, Zechariah is the second to last book in the Old Testament. If you get to the New Testament, you've gone just a little bit too far. Start turning backwards. If you don't, bring your Bibles. We're going to put it up on the screen for you, or you can pull it up on your phone. But Zechariah chapter 2, Zechariah has this, has this vision 
Um, and in this vision, God tells Zechariah and he tells the people of Israel and he tells, the, tells us as well that there is a day coming where salvation will come from the outside and it will heal the hearts and bring hope uh, to all men. So Zechariah chapter two, let's talk about this city with no walls. Let's look at verses one through five. And this is Zechariah, he has this vision. He says, then I looked up and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand and I asked, where are you going? And he answered me to measure Jerusalem to find out how wide and how long it is. And while the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him. And he said to him, run and tell that young man that Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory from within. Now, now we see this promise that Jerusalem would be a city without walls. And the only reason in this day, in this time period, that a city would be without walls would be because it was in utter ruins. That if a city did not have walls, that city was completely vulnerable and unprotected by its enemies. And it also meant that you could take no pride in your city because your city was a disgrace. And that's exactly where Israel finds itself. Now, Israel had been conquered by the great empire of Babylon. And the Babylonian empire had come in and conquered the land and completely destroyed Jerusalem and scattered the people all throughout the Babylonian empire, thus robbing them of any identity. See, what, what, what the Babylonian army did was when they came in, they conquered Israel, they would send pockets of Israelites out all throughout the, the Babylonian empire so that there was not enough uh, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a core, there wasn't a core mass of Israelites together to give them a, a sense of identity and purpose. There, there was too few to do that. And, and that's the reason why they sent them all throughout the Babylonian empire. And we find this young man, he's, he's doing the work of a surveyor. That's what's going on. He's measuring the, the walls to begin the rebuilding process. Look, look again at verse four. And he said to him, run and tell the young man that Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. In other words, the, the angel said, Zechariah, to the people of Israel, he says, I know that right now you, you see uh, just a pile of rubble, but there is a day coming when your hope will not be in the quality or the size, the height or the thickness of the walls. There is a day coming that you will not need any city walls. And what you see right now as disgraced or weak or vulnerable or empty will one day be beautiful and strong and secure and abundant. You see, walls for a city in this time period, they served as a, as a sense of protection or identity or glory or strength. And what God is saying to the people of Israel and what God is saying to us is that these things that we trust in, the things that we trust in uh, that aren't God are only gonna get in the way of what God wants to do in and through their lives. Look again at verse five. It says, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. And here we, we, we I hope you're picking up that that the wall is a metaphor for our lives. 
that the city is a metaphor for our lives and, and what a promise of hope that the Lord gives to Zechariah. In other words, he's saying that the, the things that, that we tend to rely on or lean into or depend on for identity, like our, our abilities or our titles or you know, our wealth or our health or our relationship or whatever it is that we lean into, that we have a sense of identity uh, from, that those things will no longer, we won't need those things to be a source of identity and strength for us because the Lord will be our source of identity and strength. And this Advent season, let me just ask you, where, where is it as we really hopefully begin to slow down? And I, I know that's going to be hard because, you know, Sarah and I, we were looking at our calendar last night. We were like, okay, well, we have this on this day and this on this day and this on this day. And we have this Christmas party with this kid and we have this. And, and the, the whole calendar is full right now. And I know it's going to be difficult to slow down enough to enjoy his presence, okay, in the midst of buying all these presents. But the question that, that I would ask you this Advent season is, is where is it that, that you're feeling in your life the need for security? And, and, and if that question is difficult to answer, let's flip it around and say, where in your life do you feel insecure? Where, where in your life, where in my life do I have, and this is a question I've been asking myself all week prepping for this, is that where in my life do I feel the need for control? Because when things are out of whack in my life, I look for something to control. And maybe to help answer that question, where in my life do I feel a sense of that I'm out of control? Where is it as we enter this, this you know, the month of December and, and the holiday season and the Christmas season, where is it that we have this sense of anxiety? Where is it that we feel vulnerable? Where do we feel weak? Where is it that we feel like we gotta build up this wall around us? Because part of the message of Advent is that no amount of achievement and no amount of performance will ever be enough for us to earn our way into God's grace. And no amount of achievement or no amount of performance will ever be enough to make us feel like we're enough. Because we're always gonna run into somebody that's bigger, better, richer, more successful than we are. And so the invitation of Advent is for us to press in to the presence of Jesus and allow him to be our source of identity and strength so that we can just stop and rest and be present in his presence. And the promise of Advent is that there is a day coming that he will be a fire around us in the glory within us. Now, now what this verse means, could you, could you just imagine if, if we really grabbed onto the gospel. And when I say the gospel, I'm not just talking about, you know, we believe that Jesus is the son of God and he was born and, you know, and he saves us from our sin. That, that, that is part of the gospel. But there's also the other part of the gospel that says that when we put our faith in Jesus, that he lived the life that we can't live and he died the death that we deserve, that he also becomes our, 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 our sense of um, approval and, and acceptance and, I, and, and significance and security and hope and love and, and purpose. And could you imagine what our lives would be like if we really grabbed on to the gospel in that sense that, that he really was our source of acceptance and approval and significance and security and hope and love and joy and peace? 
Could we imagine what would, how that would help us as this became the fire around us that protected us from criticism? Criticism from others? Even self-criticism. Could we imagine uh, how, what protection we would have from, uh, from uh, failure, the protection that we would have from self-doubt, the protection that we would have from betrayal? That's the wall. That's the fire, a, a wall of fire around us that if we really grab hold of the gospel as our source of not only forgiveness and salvation, but acceptance, approval, and significance, and security, and hope, and love, and peace, and joy, that's the fire that, of protection that's around us. But Jesus also says that I will also be the glory within. And what he's talking about there is this, this strength, this confidence, this security, this fullness of knowing that we are adopted child of God. And with that comes all the rights and privileges that go with our father's name. And no one can take that away. And no circumstance can take that away because that is my source of strength and identity. That's what we're talking about here. That's, that's, the, that's this city with no walls that we don't have to rely on our own performance or our own achievement for protection. And Zechariah is saying that we need to lay down our building projects and that there is a day coming, and this is where Advent comes in, in play. There is a day coming that we can look forward to that Jesus will come and he'll make everything that's been stolen from us right. That he'll make all things new. And so it's an offer today to quit trying, to quit hiding, to quit building, that Jesus has come and he will be that fire around us and that glory within us. And he is going to make us a city without walls. He will be our wall. So that's a city without walls. Now let's look at this love with no limits. Let's look at verses uh, 6 through 11. Says, come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, Zion, escape you who live in the daughter of Babylon. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that I have plundered, that, that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. And I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Shout and be glad, daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. And I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. There's this incredible love with no limits. And what Zechariah describes is a love that is far, far more than anyone could ever dare imagine. Now, now we come into this Advent season and we're going to hear a lot how much God loves us. We're going to sing about it. We're going to read about it. You're going to hear it, that God loves you. And a lot of times when we hear, you know, God loves you, we're like, man, what else you got? Because we've heard it, we've heard it, and we've heard it, and we've heard it, we sung about it, and it doesn't move us. But Zechariah says we can't even imagine how limitless his love is for us. Now, there's two things that we see about God's limitless love here. One of us is going to make us really joyful, and the other one is going to be like, eh, I don't know about that, okay? So here it is. Go back to verse 8, and he says... Um, 
For this is what the Lord Almighty says, after the glorious one has sent me against the nations that, you have, that have plundered you, for whoever touches you, whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. Now, now that sounds really sweet, right? That whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. Now, it's a strange phrase. And, and most, most commentators say that that this is about the best you could do translating it to the English and making, making sense. But what it really should read is whoever touches you touches the opening of my eye or whoever touches you touches the pupil of my eye, okay? In other words, if anyone touches you, they are touching me in my most vulnerable place. Now, this is our heavenly father that we're talking about. So I know it sounds crazy, but, but as a parent, just think about it for a moment. Where are you the most vulnerable? With your kids. Right? When your kids, when, when your kids hurt, you hurt. When, when, when your kids are worried, you're worried. When your kids are in pain, you're in pain. Our kids are our most vulnerable place as, for us as parents. And when they suffer, we suffer. Now multiply that times eternity with God. And we, we think we know how much God loves us, but and we think we know what it means to be his beloved. And you know, beloved means that we are richly and wholly and deeply and completely and freely and unconditionally loved by him. But his love knows no boundaries. And so, so he says, not, not only does his love reaches the apple of his eye, the innocent sufferers. Any, let me just ask kind of this to kind of see who we have in the audience here. How many of you would say that you're an innocent sufferer, that somebody did something to you that you, you didn't deserve to have done to you? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, three of us. Great. Okay. I'm panicking here. Um, because that means, no, no. Uh, okay, let me... So really, nobody's ever said anything about you. Nobody's ever gossiped about you. No, nobody's ever stole your recognition or your, you know, your credit. Let me ask, I mean, any innocent sufferers here? Anybody? Okay, now, there you go. There you go. I was getting to think I was an innocent sufferer for a moment, uh, that I was, you know, that I was the only one. But, but so his love, but let that ring true in us that his love is enough to heal the hearts of the innocent sufferer. But he goes on. He says, I, I mean, innocent sufferers, listen to this. Verse nine, he says, I will surely raise my hand against them, okay? Against those who have conquered us, those who have talked bad about us, those who have robbed stuff from us, those who have stolen things, those who have taken credit that we deserve. I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. I'm like, yes, this is the God that I love. This is why I read the Bible. You know, this is the cards that I want to send. Hey, I know what you said about me in Zechariah chapter two, verse nine, buddy. Look it up. <laughs> Feeling good, right? I knew you'd feel good coming to church today. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. I'm like, yes, yes. But he goes on, shout, be glad, daughters of Zion, for I'm coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined. Wait, 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 wait. God, can you say that one more time? 
Many nations. What, I mean, you're not talking about those nations, are you? You're not talking about the people who have come in and caused us harm, are you? You're not talking about the people who have stolen things from us. You're not talking about the people who have, who have wasted our land. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. And I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This is how limitless the love of God is for us. That God's love, now watch, listen, don't, don't miss this, okay? God's love is not just a love for the innocent sufferer, but God's love is a love that reaches the guilty oppressor. Now I ask you to raise your hand on the innocent, presser, uh, innocent uh, sufferer. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand for the guilty oppressor. But truth be told, we've all been the guilty oppressor. We've all done things that we're not proud of. We're all done things to other people that we should not have done. Said things about other people we should have not said. And thank God that his love is that limitless. That not only does it heal the heart of the innocent oppressor, but it, it, the innocent sufferer, but it can also melt the heart of the guilty oppressor. That Zechariah says that there is a love coming that will not only heal us from our most wounded parts, but it's also a love that will take the guiltiest of oppressors and will melt their hearts so that they too can become his people. Now in verses eight through nine, God makes it very clear that this is not a permissible love, but that he will raise his hand against all those that have ruthlessly hurt others. That a loving and just God cannot let any evil act go unpunished. But you know where that punishment and that wrath went? Went to Jesus on the cross. All of that wrath, all of that anger, all of that punishment raining down on the innocent son of God for all the guilty oppressors. That there will be a love that will heal the heart of the sufferer and melt the heart of the oppressor. And that is the good news of great joy that we all need. Now, before we get into the last point here, I just want to say, we talked about counseling this last week. And I want to talk about counseling again this week because I know the holiday season can trigger a lot of things. And for some of us, we're going to have to go into an arena that we're going to have to be with people who have hurt us. And I'm not saying we don't need boundaries. We need boundaries with people who have hurt us. We need healthy boundaries against people uh, that have hurt us. And, and if the holiday season is that kind of season for you, I want to encourage you to get counseling to help you put up these healthy boundaries that you can communicate to your family members of this is why. And we have a great counselor. In fact, the Gospel City will pay the first three sessions if you use our counselor that meets right across the street for you, because that's how important mental health is, okay? So um, enough about that. So we have this love that outlimits that, that 500 years before Jesus ever showed up, that, that God is, he, he's paving the way. He's saying, hang on, hang on, one day, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send a love with, that has no limits. And then we have this promise that no one expected, so, so we have this question, how in the world can God possibly take this ruined world, 
Make it a city without walls. Heal the wounds of the innocent sufferers and offer justice and forgiveness for the guilty oppressors. How in the world is he gonna do that? Verse 10, he says, for I am coming. I'm coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. But God said, I'm going to change the world by stepping into the world myself. And the message of Christmas is not that there is a goodness that is in our hearts. And if we can connect with it, then we can bring out our own salvation. That's not the message of Christmas. That may be the message that we see on Hallmark, but it's not the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that the human race is so far gone that not even our best attempts to save ourselves will be enough. That even our best performance on our best day will not be enough. That we will all fail miserably and we need a salvation that will come from the outside to us. And God, the message of Christmas is that God himself left the, left the glory and the beauty of heaven and he came as a human and he made himself vulnerable and he lived the life that we can't live and he died the death that you and I deserve. And that through faith, through trust, through confidence in his life, in his death and resurrection, we can have forgiveness of sin. That it's not something that we earn, it's something that we've been given. It's, it's not something we can perform our way to, it's something that's already been done for us. That his mission was to come and to lay down his life for us as a substitute for our sin, to pay our sin debt in full, and all we have to do is receive it, and it's the greatest gift of all. And then we have this, probably at the time, one of the best Christmas cards ever, if there were Christmas cards. Verse 13, he says, be still before the Lord. In other words, just, just be present for a moment. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. In other words, he's coming. And he's gonna step into our darkness with his light. So when the power goes out and we find ourselves sitting in the dark, all you and I can do is wait and hope that somebody else will bring that light. And God says, I'm bringing that light because I am the light of the world. And that's the message of Christmas.